The Bear, Immortality and Coffee Talk. This is staying in. Dan, have you seen that news story about that giant goldfish that bloke found? <laughs> no. I've become quite obsessed with it. So this was this came out on my birthday. Happy. I mean, I mean, I it's it doesn't seem hardly seem fair that for your birthday I don't have the entire choir here to to celebrate with you. No, no, no. It's fine. Not a problem at all. Although, although Pete kind of shut down it last time round that we weren't able to sing, so we'll do that next time. No, that's that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But it was like a wonderful gift that the universe gave me on my birthday, where an angler caught one of the world's biggest goldfish weighing a whopping. Well, how how let. Let, let's do this then. So how heavy do you think this goldfish was? Well, I I have been fishing in the past, so... I've only been sea fishing. I've never fished in a river. I've only ever gone fishing in the sea. See, I've only ever been river fishing. Oh, wow. Pair us up. Yeah, so we've, we've got all the fish covered here. Exactly. Uh, now, also goldfish. I have had a goldfish as a child. They don't strike me as being particularly big. No. Uh, I don't know this story, but I'm going to use both of my levels of experience of river fishing and goldfish having, and I'm going to say it's a... I'm going to say a four-pound goldfish, which is a massive goldfish. That is a big goldfish, yeah, that's true. I don't know if I've over-egged over, over the pudding here. So your, your guess is four pounds. Yeah. So angler catches one of the world's biggest goldfish, weighing a whopping... 67 pounds and four ounces. So, yeah, I didn't overreg it at all. No. <laughs> 67 Jeepers. pounds, Dan. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, an yeah. impressive land for all, for all you fishermen out there, for your anglers. So, the gigantic or, or orange specimens, I'm reading this from the expressandstar.com, other news sources are available. Aptly nicknamed. <laughs> but not many were taking this story. <laughs> aptly nicknamed the carrot. That's the nickname of this goldfish. Even though I think I've I've not had a carrot that's sixty seven pounds. I mean, to, I mean to be fair, they didn't. I don't think they spent too long thinking of the name. They looked at the fish, thought it was orange, and went with carrot. I mean, there's not been much kind of workshopping gone into that name, has it? No, not really. And it's bright orange. So yeah. uh, the carrot is believed to be over twenty years old and was put in a lake at a fishery in France. But presumably, this this fishery is 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 next to some kind of nuclear power plant. <laughs> yeah, this is this is next to a toxic waste dump. <laughs> it is like Blinky the Free Eyed Fish from The Simpsons. But yeah, because I remember, I don't know if this is true or not. That that story that a fish grows, a goldfish grows to match the shape of its the, the size of its surroundings. Yeah, that 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 sounds familiar. Because I remember as a kid, you'd hear this apocryphal story that oh yeah, a kid went on holiday and then left its goldfish in the bath and it came back and it filled the bath. <laughs> well, that, 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 I don't think that's quite true. I don't think they kind of go no. up and down sizes depending on kind of the daily tank that they find themselves in. And and also as well the fact that it was like why 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 is why just a goldfish in that regard why not any other fish so yes then that made me laugh so yes I had a very nice birthday it was lovely I got some lovely gifts again you lot what you get did fantastic work well I'm going to start with what you got got me um, which was just amazing so you got me a copy of Love Letter which is probably one of my favourites card games in the world um i don't know if i need to explain what love letter is it's in every single bookshop pretty much it's one of the most famous card games that's the one, in, that's the one with the cards in the little bag isn't it that's it yeah and 
it, it kind of kicked off a, a relatively short-lived genre of gaming called the micro game, where, as you say, you've got a small deck of cards and uh, the whole premise behind the game is that you are trying to find out who is sending these secret notes to the princess. I love the card game. I love it to pieces. Mm. I've taken that that game all over the world of me and as a consequence i have lost a card and other cards have become <laughs> perished so i was desperate to get a new copy of it and it's one of those perfect gifts where yeah i could get it for myself but yeah so it was really lovely to get it as a gift you also got me da, 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 a copy of the silmarillion which i think yes. is an illustrated version of it isn't it Yes, it was it was a version that we actually discussed, me and you. Because <laughs> you and I are the the Tolkien white guys amongst the I, I was I was just about to make that exact same the joke. Staying in crew. Like you and I, like Sam Sam watches the films, loves the films. Yeah, he, he claims to dabble, but yeah, he's he's not in it. You like and I are the more hardcore of the lot. Like yeah. we'll never forget it down that journey you and I made from Bag End to Mordor in the virtual version of the Lord of the Rings game we played once years ago. Yeah. We also, when we were really heavy into Minecraft, you and I went and looked and actually explored in person. In person, what do I mean by that? But we actually explored like famous structures in the game that people have built in yeah. Minecraft at scale, which is amazing. And you and I also really loved the Rings of Power TV series as well, which we've spoken about also on the pod. Um, so yeah, to get the Silmarillion, when, it's, when I'm really kind of, getting back into Lord of the Rings is just a real mm. gift for me. So that's beautiful. And it's and it's also, it looks like the original cover of how it was published, which is also great. So it yeah. it looks like, you know, a first edition, which is superb. I am very much a person who judges a book by its cover <laughs> when it's literally a book. Um, yeah. Because I like, there's something, that, that, that kind of haptic feedback it enriches my experience of it, really. Very, very much so, really. But you also got me another book, which was a book I'd never heard of before. But I was flicking through it yesterday, and I'm thinking, this is, this is a perfect book for me. It's called the, A Therapeutic Atlas. And um, Destinations to Inspire and Enchant. And from what I can gather from it, it's like it's taking you through some kind of like major kind of locations on the planet that are worth seeing. But for each one, it gives you like a really interesting kind of essay about why it is worth experiencing. So unlike, say, a typical travel book or say even something like A Lonely Planet, which is very functional, it's like, okay, you know, best places to eat are here. This is the kind of budget you need to have for doing this, this and this. You should stay here in this particular area. It's pretty cool. This is very much more philosophical and it's... It's split into sections which kind of typify that really. So I was looking at a section yesterday, which was I think something like wandering in the mind. I was like, oh my word, this is great. <laughs> it's like a book made for you. Yeah, it speaks to me in terms of my love of travel and stuff, but also in terms of my um my day job as an academic and the kind of stuff I'm researching and writing about. So a beautiful, beautiful series of gifts. So thank you very much. Um well, uh, I will take all the credit. You should do. Well, I can't hear Sam or Pete, so it must exactly. be... Exactly. The other two haven't bothered to show up for your birthday show, so no. I will take all that so credit. I know what Pete's doing right now. Pete's giving a talk as part of a panel. That's what so he Pete's says. Pete's doing that. Now, Sam, I spoke to Sam literally about half an hour ago on the phone because Sam has been very, very unwell. 
Um, Don't give them excuses. But he was like, oh, well, I can make the recording. I said, no, mate, I know you're on the recording. (laughs) Um, You're not well. You've had flu. Like he sent us a text this morning, didn't he, saying I can, I can, I can, I've barely been able to look at the television. I've been not been able to eat and things. So, you know, I hope he's okay and things Um, because we're supposed to go to the cinema tomorrow to see The Glass Onion, the new Knives Out sequel. Ah, yes. And he said, look, if I'm ill, um, his partner Lisa will go instead. So either way, it's going to be a great night. Um, (laughs) I like the fact that (laughs) his wife, his wife, is is also his understudy. Um, He kind of goes to engagements that he can't make. (laughs) But in terms of other gifts, I don't want to linger too long. I've got a really good gift that would appeal to you, Dan. Ooh. So my partner got me a map and it's a map of the area we live in, like the county I live in in the UK. But it's from an artist who, who takes, takes maps of the, who takes like the location, but he does it up like it's a Tolkien map. Oh, it yes. It is phenomenal. So apparently oh, yes. I was talking about it. I said, how did you find it? I said, well, on their like on the Facebook page for, I don't know, the area we live in, the artist said, look, I'm doing a map for this area. Can you recommend good landmarks and anything about them? So it's not just, okay, this is here. He's done little drawings like Tolkien did, like a little dragons and stuff and things. So instantaneously, it's like I live in Middle Earth. I go, I want to go out and explore this. So where Sam lives, Sam's on there. So it's great. So when I go to Sam now, when I drive, it's not like I'm driving up the M6 to Sam. It's like I'm going on a quest. To find we need sat. to find somehow get this loaded up into your sat nav, so you'll be sat in your car following the yeah. Middle Earth map That's all the way it. to Sam's. That's it, and I'll have Kate Blanchett narrate, like you know, yeah. Galadriel or Andy Serkis. <laughs> actually, we've spoken about that length. But yeah, it was an amazing birthday. Thank you again. Good, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Glad you had a good time. Would you say you had a relaxing birthday? Uh, uh, yeah, it was super chill. I mean, I was at work, but work is work. It's nice and chill at work. Um, busy, 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 but productively busy. Um, it's a bit miserable weather-wise at the moment. Um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a relaxing birthday. It was really nice, actually. It was really chill. And would you, would you say that you're particularly relaxed in, in general at the moment? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I try to be pretty chilled. Would you like to change that? Because if you do, I have a TV show for you to watch, which will absolutely get you on kind of tension, ratcheted up a thousand percent. Okay, I'm not very good with tension. Famously, I, I played the last level of The Last of Us with whiskey in my hand. Okay, uh, it's it's not quite last end of Last of Us tension, right. uh, but I've been watching um, The Bear on Disney Plus. The Bear. Um, have you heard of this? Yeah. So. Um, full disclaimer, listener: We have a Google Drive, a Google Doc, in which we log stuff we're you know we're going to talk about in the pod. And I saw you put the bear down. I thought this was a kids' show. No, it's not. I mean, to be fair, I do watch a lot of kids' shows. Yeah. many of them that do contain bears. So y- you were you were using kind of logic to get there. But no, this is yeah, a I mean, show. You called... have children. It's worth saying for new listeners: you do have children. Yeah. Yes, yes. This that is that is important. Yeah. Um, that's not the. That's not the peak behind the curtain I was talking about that I just watched kids okay. TV by so, myself. So, right. So you, I know, Dan, that you pride yourself on liking to watch stuff that is critically acclaimed. So I, I presume you heard, I presume you heard about this somewhere in some top 10 list. I like to either watch stuff that um, 
is kind of the the geek culture stuff that's going to wash over me. It's going to be entertaining. The likes of the Marvel stuff, I, I, I do that because I'm not having to invest as much in that. If I'm not watching that, I like to spend my time because I have so, so little of it watching programs and watching films and stuff that are going to do something for me. They're going to, they're going to, are, as you say, critically acclaimed or just are doing something different and interesting and are actually worth my time. I don't want to be find myself halfway through a series and think, oh, I've just wasted a bit of time here. So this is a, this is a, sh- a show that I saw, um, I saw a review of it in The Guardian and then I saw a few, in a few different places, I saw, uh, some reviews of it. And they was getting kind of huge, fantastic reviews. Um, but they're all talking about kind of how intense it is as, as, as a show. Um, so this is a uh, drama. It's kind of like black comedy. There is absolutely comedic uh, elements to it, but it's kind of a black comedy drama. And the premise is there's a character called Carmi or Carmen, played by Jeremy Allen White, uh, who I've not really seen him anything before. He was in the American version of Shameless, though. I've never watched that show, but I know he he was in that. So people if they've watched, so they may recognise right. him in that. And he plays Carmi, who is a kind of like young but kind of top of his game chef who was working in the literally the best restaurant in the world in this restaurant in New York which was fine dining to the extreme um but this show finds him um following the death of his brother he has taken over his brother's sandwich shop in Chicago which on the face of it sounds like the setup for a sitcom um kind of like highfalutin chef yeah fish out of water works in the sandwich shop yeah um but actually what it is is an incredibly intense raw kind of drama around him trying to kind of pull this sandwich shop kind of up off off the ground um you get the sense it's a it's a sandwich restaurant or sandwich deli that perhaps has been kind of has has been getting the money in but that's more out of people coming out of habit as opposed to they are the best sandwiches in town. There's there's a there's a lot of rough edges. The the kind of all the staff there are very set in their ways. They worked by a system, but it's not a particularly well run system. And he's coming in as this chef working in the best restaurants, wanting to implement a system, wanting to improve the place. And it and it's kind of about him working his way through his grief of losing his brother. And it kind of that grief is kind of represented through the restaurant. So him trying to look at the restaurant saying, I can really make this work. The restaurant is heavily in debt. He owes, the restaurant owes money to kind of gangsters and stuff. And he's having to deal with all this stuff. But the kind of the hook, the selling point of this is the fact that it feels like, have you ever worked in a kitchen? Yes, I've worked in a kitchen. I've also, yeah, I've worked in a restaurant, worked behind the bar. Yep. So working in in a in a kitchen, have you like in a, in a was that like in a chef env- environment or was it just as a waiter? Oh no, I was wash I was washing up, but I would say that you could you could feel the stress just coming off in waves. It's a common thing to just know that like working in a kitchen is very very stressful. I. I worked as a waiter, which occasionally had yeah. to kind of cover the desserts and stuff. So I spent a bit of time in the kitchen, but never properly in the kitchen. So hang on, Dan. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm really interested when you said you had to cover desserts. <laughs> can you just can well, you just walk me through what that means? Uh, I, I use I use the term desserts in very loosely. I mean, they were Angel desserts, delight. but the, not 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 that loosely. Um, I was working as a waiter. Um, and it was the job of one of the waiters each night. They would be on desserts. 
Um, so <laughs> okay, right. I don't know why they were very easy to make. Oh, was that, so, was that, like, was that a particular menu. role that you fought for, or was you draw? Would you draw straws I, I, for it? I'll be honest with you, I quite enjoyed it. I really okay. did. Like you would have, it would be like uh, an ice cream sundae or a chocolate brownie sundae or an apple pie and all of this stuff. I wasn't making them; I was preparing them. They were m- made by other people, and then I'd be reheating and serving them and. I'd get the strawberry and I'd slice it in a particular way and put some cream and a sprinkle of icing sugar or chocolate right. uh, just to make just the presentation was yeah yeah or do a creme brulee and stuff like that I, that was probably the, one of the only ones that I did with a blowtorch kind of, and I'm, yeah oh, so yeah. actually yeah so getting the blowtorch and melting the kind of the, the brain sugar and so that was the extent of the uh, desserts but obviously I was in the kitchen doing that I wasn't yeah. out, out front doing taking that. full credit so then when I say covering desserts that's the extent that right I mean. okay pray continue yeah so I have a tiny tiny amount of experience in that but as I, I I wouldn't say I'd feel that stress that you would typically associate with working as a chef in a kitchen but what I was saying in terms of what the bear does is it is it captures especially in the first episode and I think it's been done specifically that way that first episode is inc- it's, it's, each episode is 30 minutes like it's not long episodes. I love the fact that you're starting to get more and more shows now that are just 30 yep, minutes you very look tight. at this yeah uh, She-Hulk was 30 minutes Only Murders in the Building is 30 minutes you, like you d- we, we were so used to having shows that are an hour or more long like Stranger Things I love Stranger Things the finale of the last series was two and a half hours long it was ridiculous ridiculous like certain things so having these short 30 minute episodes is fantastic and this first episode is exhausting but what's great about it is it just throws you into this kitchen and it's constantly people talking over to, over each other moving around talking shouting across the kitchen also this is how you're introduced to the characters you're introduced to the kitchen through the language of the kitchen like you've you've got them when they're walking behind people, they're shouting behind. If they're coming around a corner, they're shouting corner. So that's the language that they're oh, using man. for each other. Never, it's never explained because um, you don't, don't really need to explain it once you've seen it in kind of action. And, and as you watch that first episode, it just it is it is absolutely relentless. So I finished the first episode and you kind of sit back and you're going to go, wow, that was that was something. And then further episodes, they still have the tension, but they do drop down a little bit because they're laid to have a bit more character work and stuff like that. But as a, as a show, that rawness, that intensity, is kind of like nothing I've seen in a long, long time. It feels a lot of the time almost improvised and so naturalistic, the way it's done, the way you've got people talking over each other and kind of moving around in these really tight spaces, really claustrophobic environment. It starts on 11 and it, it just stays there. Like, it doesn't let up. And as a result, you are sitting there thinking, this kind of wave is just hitting me. And fortunately for me, it just took me with it because the characters were great. You've got um, a character called Sydney who comes in who's kind of very talented but very young and wants to kind of is really well trained but wants to work in this place. This is where her dad used to come and stuff like that. And she says to Carmi, it's, it's like, I know who you are. I know where you worked. I know that you were one of the best chefs in the country. Like, why are you here? And his response is just, I'm making sandwiches. Like, that, this is his life now because he's taken it over from his brother who has who has died. Um, and he's dealing with that through, through the restaurant and through the people who work there because they were a family. Like, the guy who, like, the general manager 
type thing was the best friend of of michael the the previous owner and all the the rest of the chefs all were a family together and so trying to get those dynamics and try to see him try and change what the restaurant is and what it can become and seeing how people get inspired about different parts of their work and how they can improve and how they can see this thing that they've dedicated their lives to as well come together i'm i'm i've not quite finished the 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 series yet and i'm what i really want is it all just to work out great but i i i just don't think it will because it's been on the edge the entire time yeah. they have set up a new they have um commissioned a second series of it which i was kind of disappointed about because it i just want to see this story play out and i don't know how much having not finished it i don't know how much give there is to continue the story onwards so it'd be interesting to see how this how they try and close this out but it is it is like nothing i've seen in a long long time have you ever seen the film uh once uh it was a it's a really I'm, super low budget film it's a musical i know i know it's it's got it got tons of plaudits and they actually yeah, yeah, they made a, they actually made a stage version of it didn't they yeah well. they made a stage the reason there is no stage one, version it's, it's always been on my to watch list yeah, so once um, I can't off the, top, off the top of my head, I don't know the director. Uh, it stars Glenn uh, Glenn Haz, Hazard, I think it was, who I knew from The Commitments, which is one of my favourite films. I was in a film with someone in The Commitments. Oh, were you? Yeah. Who? Oh, what's her name? Uh, Brona Gallagher. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Brona Gallagher. She's done loads of things. Yeah, she's done loads of things. Very nice person. Sorry, pray Thanks. continue. It's always, it's, always, it's always nice to hear. Um, but yeah, so that was um, that was Glenn uh, Hansard uh, who had done the commitments and did this. And this is a super low-budget film and he plays like this busker um, and it's done with handheld cameras and it looks like handheld cameras. There's no getting away from the fact that it, they've done it on a absolute shoestring, but it's beautiful from the... The music is fantastic. But the point I'm making is I was getting... It's not as low-budget, but I was getting similar feels from the bear, that kind of real rawness of yeah. the footage there are certain scenes like i remember that there's one scene and it's literally just the character of kami on the beach she's kind of looking out to sea but the use of the lighting and the way the camera lingers and the 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 the, the texture of the kind of the visuals you get that feeling that it's it's really kind of low budget and so kind of gripping and raw and it's it's as i say it's not something you kind of see that a lot see a lot of it's just been fantastic and a real kind of surprise to to kind of come out of nowhere. And it's get, I mean, anything I'm saying here is being picked upon kind of reviews and stuff as well. And they everyone talks about the intensity of it and how you could watch it all the way through, but you'd kind of have to go to sleep afterwards because you'd be so exhausted. Um, I've been watching it one or two episodes at a time. I mean, that's the thing for me. Like, and maybe this says something about me, but after a day's work sitting down and then engaging with something that's so intense, albeit for a very short dose of about 30 minutes. Are you, do you get to an end of an episode and you are you like, oh, okay, great, thankfully I've got that release now. I can, I can go to bed or I need to watch something else because I'm a bit too wired. Or is it the case of like, oh gosh, it's over. Oh, I should watch the next one now. I need to ride this wave still. I need to keep that momentum going. Um... There's probably elements of both, really. Okay. Like that that first episode is unique in the sense of that that intensity does not let up in that episode because it's setting up everything about the series. It's setting up 
what it's like to be in a kitchen. It's setting up the characters. It's setting up the dynamics and the relationships and the fact that the restaurant is not a functioning kitchen at the start of it. And that's why it's intense. After that, you maintain elements of that, but because the kitchen begins to function better, because different people come to the fore, people start to learn and people start to think, oh, actually, yes, what you're, what I'm being taught to do and work is actually working. Because of that, the, the intensity then drops a little bit and you do have ebbs and flows and you, you are able to take moments and just have quiet moments for character development and stuff. And that then means it gets a lot easier to kind of ride that wave, as you say. And... How sophisticated are these sandwiches? Are they just chip butties, or? Well, that's, I mean, I mean, they are. I mean, they're fancy sandwiches. They're, they're, the the right. restaurant's called uh, the Beef. The Beef. I think it's the Beef in the land of Chicago Land or something like that. And so they're they're kind of cooked beef sandwiches um, with kind of the fried onions and stuff like that. And obviously, they're probably famous in the area. Um, but the sense you get isn't the fact of people are kind of queuing for miles around. The people come there because they that's the sandwich shop that they go to. Um, but yeah, they, they, it's kind of like they're, they're cooking big joints of beef to make the beef sandwiches and all that stuff. And they right. do have other meals and, and, and stuff. And one of the the young girl who joins, she wants to change the menu. She wants to introduce, introduce more things. She wants to bring in a risotto and stuff like that. And they are trying... A risotto sandwich? Not, that one's not in a sandwich. Okay. Uh, that one, that one's... A risotto sandwich is not, is, does not make the cut. What, what um, would be the most inappropriate meal to have in a sandwich but you know between two slices of bread or in a wrap say for Ooh. example hmm. i mean soup jumps to mind i know it does uh but i don't want to but i feel like that's again. too easy or maybe that let's rephrase this sorry a meal that would work but it still feels wrong so it's a meal i'm talking about a meal now. i mean there's the there's the full roast dinner which feels wrong but is absolutely delicious and every time i have a roast dinner later that night i will then put all components of that dinner into a sandwich mm. sometimes with a little bit of gravy as well beat that beat a full roast dinner between two yeah. slices of bread <laughs> yeah uh are you buttering the bread at all or is it just going oh in? yeah yeah yeah. Oh, like heathen gosh um, and then also it depends it depends on what the meat is so if I'm having beef I might have a bit of mustard if I'm having lamb I'll have a little bit of mint in there as well mm. you've got to you've got to have all the components there you've got to have the potato got to have some of the veg delicious I've got it I've got it down okay what is it um, I reckon a whole roast chicken a whole roast okay okay hang on a minute so when you say a whole roast chicken yep is the chicken carved nope Okay, then we have problems here because you can't eat the bones. You would you would choke. It's fiddly, I know. Nobody's denying it's fiddly. Oh, so you're so as you're eating, you're spitting out bones. Yep. I mean, I mean, it's a decision. Um, it's not. It doesn't sound particularly enjoyable. It just sounds like a really overly filled chicken sandwich with additional problems. Did you have a stressful day yesterday, Dan? I didn't have a stressful day yesterday. I just want to recommend something that will calm you down and chill you, chill you out. Oh, okay. So we've 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 jazzed us up with the bear. Yep. And now we're going to mellow out. You've got to take the edge off it somehow. 
I want to introduce you to a game. And it's interesting, actually, because there's a a double reason for this, is I want to talk about a game that I got last year um, for Secret Santa, which is a game uh, called Coffee Talk. And I got it um, for my Nintendo Switch. And thank you, Santa, once again. I said I'd talk about it, and here I am a year later talking about it, Coffee Talk, <laughs> which is a visual novel. Have you ever played a visual novel, Dan? Uh, I don't think so. Always played the right word or read a visual novel, I don't know. I don't think so. It's a genre that Pete got me into, because I'd never heard of it really until about a year and a half or so ago, where ostensibly there's a degree of interactivity there in the same way that when you read a book, there's interactivity. I turn a page, for example, and you get different degrees of interactivity with a visual novel. Sometimes it is literally just clicking through dialogue and that's it. And there is most of coffee talk is you just clicking through whilst people are talking. Um, But there's also some little bits of gaminess as well in this, which I'll talk about. But essentially you're a barista in a fictional version of Seattle. It's like a fantasy version of Seattle, like modern day 21st century Seattle, but it's a world in which there are elves, werewolves, uh, Mm -hmm. vampires, um, dwarves, orcs, all this kind of stuff, really. And the only perspective you have in the game is as a barista. And you and I have both worked behind the bar you had that experience. And what Coffee Talk yeah. gives me is that wonderful experience sometimes when you're working behind the bar and it's not too busy and you're just able just to chat to locals. But equally also, like, I can't quite phrase how, what this is like, but sometimes locals be sat at the bar just chatting openly to each other. They're not like chatting in a very private manner. They're chatting openly to each other. And you're kind of part of the conversation, but you're also not. Because, you know, mm-hmm. someone at some point may call you away to serve a table or somebody may arrive at, you know, the other end of the bar and you need to pull them, a, pull them a pint or something. So you've kind of got this really interesting perspective as the barista and you don't choose when you interject into those conversations. Um, it's chosen for you. But um, at the very beginning of the game, you choose, you put your name in and, in, and that's your name because everything's in text language. Nobody says anything mm-hmm. really. And you're in this bar, this cafe, essentially, a coffee bar. And it's the only one open after hours. So you get these really interesting people coming in. There's Freya, who is a fairy who works in a newspaper, but is writing a novel. And they've got writer's block. They don't know what to write. And then they get an idea about writing um, stories about the people that are in this coffee shop. So you chat to them. And, you know, at the moment, I played a scene today on the train coming back. Um, from Manchester where like I just watched a vampire who's friends with a werewolf talking about how they met like 60 years ago or so and just it it tackles some quite relatively grown-up adult issues these conversations but it's kind of told in chapters and the chapter is just a shift and the shift is pretty short yeah. Um, they come in. They say, "Hi, hey, Chris. How are you doing? Oh, um, uh, did you manage to solve that issue you had in the end?" I said, "Oh, yeah, yada yada yada." I serve them a drink. They leave, and then the next day, 
other guests, other co- recurring customers will come back and I see what happened to them last time when I saw them and I fill in the gap. So it's like almost like when you're working in a pub, when you've got the locals coming in, it's like the next episode of your TV series is starting. It's like, oh, okay, so what did you get up to last time I saw you? And you kind of like, you kind of chat to them. That's one thing I loved about working in a local pub was just having a window in people's worlds about being too mm-hmm. obtrusive um, but also not so wholly invested in it. And the cool thing for me, which I never got to experience in my job in the restaurant or the pub I worked in was I only really pulled pints and made drinks. I never did, I never had a go at the coffee machine because it wasn't a really sophisticated coffee machine. I don't drink coffee. I love the smell of coffee, but coffee culture is alien to me, but I'm fascinated by it. In coffee talk, you make the drinks. So they say, oh, can you get me an espresso? I was like, oh, that's easy. And you go, you, the screen opens up and you go, okay. And you've got your ingredient shelf in front of you. Go, okay, my base is going to be coffee. If it's an espresso, it's pretty much coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> um, and I serve that. And as you're, as you're picking the ingredients, it tells you there's this slide bar that says, okay, well, that's very bitter what you've picked there, that selection and so forth. Well, that's going to be quite warm. Well, that's going to be quite cool. Well, that's going to be quite sweet. Because sometimes a customer will say, oh, just give me something... <laughs> I was about to say bitter and or bitter and sweet then, but what I mean is like, give me something warm but sweet. And you go, okay. And then you just you just let's say, I'm just taking stuff off shelves, going, yeah, let's make yeah. this. And you serve it to them, and it's just bring you slide the cup towards them. You can go, what are they going to think of this? What are they going to think of this? And you watch them sip it, and you go, and they go, oh, that's nice. Or you haven't got that quite right yet. Ah, oh, okay, damn. Damn, what are they going to think of me so now? So is there like a scoring element to that then? No, not at all. It's it's It doesn't matter at all, but it's me feeling as a barista. Oh, I've let oh, them okay. down. It's like when, you know, you, you pull a pint, you serve and you watch it settle and the head's like an inch thick and you're like, oh God, I'm real sorry. I'm really embarrassed. I'll take that back. I'll top that up for you. Sorry about that. You know, sometimes I don't care or sometimes mm. I say, oh, have you got a float to put in that? But like, you know, they don't mind. So it's that lovely feeling. And as you're as you're building, as you're kind of doing exotic drinks, you build this kind of catalogue of drinks that you kind of unlock that you can now do. And on loading screens between chapters, it will highlight, you know, types of tea or coffee that I'd never heard of before, like Russian tea. I'd never heard of that. Or a green tea latte. I've forgotten I had one of those when I was in Budapest. I had, I had chai, chai tea for the first time of the day. The first time you had chai? What do you think of it? I was I I went to um I was I was in Birmingham uh, for the weekend and for for breakfast and me and my wife went to there's an Indian restaurant called Dishoom, um and it's beautiful restaurant um beautiful food we went for breakfast and personally I'm someone who I don't like to if I don't think I'm gonna if I'm not sure if I'm gonna like something I just won't order it because I don't like that thing of buying something and not liking it and then I feel obligated to drink it or eat it and then. So I just avoid it. And so this was on the menu, chai tea. And I was kind of like, oh. Live a little. Pardon me, I just want breakfast tea. Even though I'm in this like beautiful Indian restaurant, I just want English breakfast tea. But I mean, eventually I went for it and it arrived. And I was like, oh, I'm went really not it. sure about this. And I sipped and I was like, this is delicious. Yeah. And I was I was drinking it. And then like, I got to the bottom and the guy came over and topped it back up again. And I was like, thank God I like this because... If, if it had been the other way around and I hadn't liked it, I would have still probably drank it because I'd have felt guilty. Yeah. I'd have drunk it all the way through. I'd have struggled through it and then he'd have topped it up again and I'd have wanted to die. Um, but it was absolutely delicious. Yeah, I've, I've, I've just never had it before. So nice, aromatic, quite sweet. It's lovely, lovely, mm. lovely, lovely. Yeah. yeah, it was almost like hot chocolate. Yeah, so like 
Yeah, so I'm discovering all these drinks in here. And obviously, obviously, it's gamified to the extent that every drink I seem to serve has free ingredients in it. A base, yeah. a primer, and a secondary. It's not necessarily like that in real life. But actually, you know, some of the components are quite similar. So and I feel like I am, I'm not just being voyeuristic on these people's lives. I'm kind of providing a service. Like, here's your drink. And as they sip, they start to talk and... You're just, it's lovely to be a fly on a wall, particularly when you're watching them chat to each other as they're meeting each mm. other and chatting, these locals. So do you get to, when you are that fly on the wall, are you able to, say if you wanted, say Freya had come to the counter to order something, are you able to kind of stay with Freya, maybe serve other people, but stay with Freya so you can hear more of her conversation? If you're interested in what's happening to her, yeah. you focus in on her and then you can maybe pick someone else up another day, but you for that entire shift, you can listen to her story. So the way it works is I stay rooted to the spot and I only encounter those who come and sit at the table. So sometimes Freya will say... The game chooses for yeah, you. So sometimes Freya will say, look, I need to get some writing done. I'll be back in a moment. Generally, Freya's there all the time. She's always... Because she kind of comes here to work. So is it like a novel in the sense of, like, you don't have any effect really on the outcomes? No, not really. With no. the conversation... Yeah. Through the conversation, are you able to affect that relationship no. in any way or are you just an observer? Just an observer. So sometimes I'll get a drink wrong, but it won't have any bearing really. They'll just say, oh, you haven't got it quite right there. And then it's just right. me going, oh, no, man, that sucks. But yeah, like I, I go I go to get into bed at night. I boot up my Nintendo Switch because I think the handheld is the, dyna the best dynamic for this. You can play this mm -hmm. game on like PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and mac os and windows but i think handheld is where it's at because i sit in bed and i start my shift which is a night shift in the game and mm -hmm. it's great and i think i love these kinds of games because like one of the problems with lots of kind of game studies scholarship in particular that games had to have something that was interactive that you know it wasn't a game unless it unless you could win or, you know, there was a win state or you were playing it. There was a rules that you followed and you could change the outcomes of it. Whereas actually nowadays a lot of scholarship is recognizing the fact that a gamer can kind of create for themselves their own rules, their own ways of navigating it. So for me, I feel like I'm losing if I'm not getting the drink right for the punter in the same way that like, when yeah. I work behind the bar. I was like, oh, sorry, I put a bit too much tonic in that gin. Or, you know... Oh, sorry, I've, you know, I forgot to put the black currants in your pint of, of, of um, Guinness, which was a really quite common drink when I was behind the bar. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a really lovely game that I play in little installments like a novel. I'll just do a chapter of this and it's super chill. Do we have a genre of game of, of like bedtime, go to sleep games? Do we have that genre already? I've, I can add to that, definitely. So I can recommend Neo Cab, which was very similar, where in a kind of a futuristic world i'm a cab driver and every night i'd start my shift and i'd sit in bed and start my shift and i'd talk to people in the back of my cab um that was great and I, but neo cab was different in the sense i could choose my outcome so mm -hmm. it did kind of change things um kentucky route zero which i spoke about in a previous episode of the pod because that game is like one it's almost like one gigantic dream sequence it works best to play it at night when you're just on the cusp of falling asleep because there are bits of that game where I'm not sure if I dreamt it or not. And it is probably one of my favourite games of all time. It's a mm. knockout game. Um, yeah, there's a few out there, definitely. Because I think games companies are getting quite savvy. I'm not saying that Coffee Talk was designed to be played before you go to bed. 
but it's nice to know there are genres of games out there which for people who can't commit to long stretches that aren't just you know your one and done mobiles which we kind of repeat yeah which we've spoken about at length before yeah it's nice to play something that has a kind of a longer arc but still feels like i can play it in small chunks yeah i think i think that's a thing by the sounds of it with um with that it, the the mechanics of the game are simple enough that you can play it quickly and easily at bedtime, but you are getting enough out of it so you feel like you're getting a full gaming experience. It's not like with the with some mobile games where, as you say, it's called one and done. You don't feel like you'll you'll enjoy the experience with it, but you don't feel like you're getting a full gaming experience like you would on a big console game and stuff like that, where you do feel like you've 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 got your money's worth. It just kind of feels like it's a it's a token thing. I've done it for a couple of minutes. It's nice to have a game that. Yes, you only play in short chunks, but when you put all those chunks together, you feel like there's a, there's a there's an entire kind of experience there. For those in particular who um, want to get the sensation of playing a game and completing a game without having to commit to something that is so intense or so complicated that if you take a pause from it for a, a week or so. It's like you're starting again from scratch. This isn't it. I've been playing actually one of the game which uh, fits pretty much the bill that you've just given for Coffee Talk quite nicely. I wasn't going to talk about it yet because I've only recently started playing it. Um, but as as we're as we're down a man tonight, I thought I'll, I'll throw this into the mix as well. Have you uh, are you familiar with Sam Barlow, Sam game designer? Ba- oh, hang on. Hang on. Now, they didn't do... Did they do Her Story? Uh, yes, Sam Barla did yes. Her Story. Right. Her Story and Telling Lies, I think, is another one. So Her Story is a phenomenal game. Well, I have been playing the new game from Sam Barlow. Have you? What are you playing it on? Uh, well, this is a game called Immortality. Yeah. Have you heard of it? I have heard yeah. of Immortality. So it's had rave reviews, this has. Yeah, so I've been playing Immortality... Um, Similarly, I, I saw a review for it a while back. Um, it came out on Windows and Xbox in August. Um, but when it came out, there was talk of it coming out on um, iOS and Android. So I was like, okay, brilliant. I'll, I'll get it on there. But I couldn't find it and it wasn't coming out and there were delays. Um, it's just recently come out, but it's come out uh, on Netflix because Netflix have their games division. Oh, yes, of course. So they've got a games division, um, and I think they are because it's it's not kind of commonly used, really. I think it's something like 2% of Netflix users are using games on a regular basis. However, I think they are starting to put more, more money into it. So, for example, Oxenfree recently came onto yeah, yeah, it yeah. as well. So, so that I, I can play that on there as well. But the talk was that Immortality was coming onto Netflix, so I can't play it any other way. I can't play it on Windows or Xbox, so I've been waiting for it to land. And it's literally been kind of like... Every couple of days, I'm checking this thing because I saw the reviews for it. And it looked amazing. I check in the uh, checking Netflix time and time again, and it was never coming up. And then the other day, I just clicked onto it, and there it was. I didn't. There was no yeah. no um, no parade, no serenade. It was just sitting there in the list. I was like, okay, here we go, here we go. Um, so immortality is um, similar to like so her story and telling lies. It's kind of uh, a mystery interactive fiction using um, live action film to kind of tell a story and tell a mystery. Uh, developed by Half Mermaid is Sambalo's kind of kind of 
development company. Um, and it's a quite, I mean, if you've played the likes of Her Story and Ten Lies, you'll, you'll know the gist of how the game plays. If you haven't played them, um, Immortality, uh, you have a mystery to solve. And in order to solve that mystery, you have to look through uh, kind of film clips and search through them and you can kind of develop, try and understand the mystery that's being played out. And the narrative of this story is that um, in back in 1968, I think it starts off, um, there is a young starlet called uh, Marissa Marcel who is hired as an actress in a film called Ambrosio. And the story that we're being, that we are told is that um, this actress appears in three films over a 30-year period. None of the films are released and she is now missing and she is thought to be a recluse. And that's that's what you get from the premise in terms of the the synopsis, if you, if you want. You're not really told that at the start. Tell me the, intrigued. Yeah, you're not really told that at the start of the game, but if you know anything about the game, if you've done any reading, that's kind of the information that you have. So I was playing it on iPad, Um you could play it on the iPhone. I don't really know how well that would work because it, it works quite nicely um, on, on the bigger screen. To our points of talking about it, how it goes, games that go well at bedtime, I've been playing it just before I go to bed. Me and my wife, when we go to bed... We've I was been about to say, kind of, this sounds like something your wife would love. Yeah, so we've been just playing through it. So the way the game actually plays is you literally start off with a, a film clip and then you can play it, you can pause it, you can scrub left scrub right so backwards forwards go through everything you need to do and then at any point you can zoom in either on a face or an object and it will zoom into it and then it will take you it'll take what you've zoomed into so for example i think that i might zoom into the actress's face and then it will take me to a different clip also containing her face and then it'll show me that clip and then i could zoom into something in there and it takes me to another so clip. it's like so, it so it's like around. her story with search words isn't it in that regard to a degree. Kind, yeah, kind of, yeah. It's very much you, because it's not just obviously her. Everything in different scenes will find something. So um, where's a different actor? Or it might be a bottle on the side. If you zoom on t- into the bottle, then it'll take you to a different scene with a, bo- with a bottle. And then you can play that scene forward and backwards. What I would say, and this to know this up front, because obviously... If you if you already have Netflix, then you can get this kind of free of charge because it's it's part of your subscription. If you want to buy it on on Steam, um, I think it's actually twenty five percent off at the moment on Steam, so it's about eleven pound or something, or on Xbox. It's important to know that the content is very adult orientated. There is kind of drug use and nudity and language, all 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 the things that you would associate with kind of adult content. This is in there. And it does have a disclaimer at the start, and it does talk about the fact that there is adult content, and there are lots of notes about that. So going in, it's important that people know actually what it is. Be careful what you zoom in on. It, well, exactly, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't shy away from any of that stuff. But some of it, I'm not a huge fan sometimes of kind of feels almost gratuitous, but narrative decisions are what they are. You kind of go with the story that they're trying to tell. What's really impressive is just the absolute amount of content that is there is there. So there are clips from the three films that she is in of kind of these are the rushes that has been filmed on the day. There are outtakes outside of kind of the 
calling the action, calling cut. There are videos of line readings. There are interviews with actresses. There is home wow. movies. So much content that you can cut between. And obviously, every little bit, you're getting a little bit more information, both in terms of the story of the films, but also the, the actors and a bit of kind of character work behind that. The content never changes in terms of kind of once you go, if you go back to a scene, it's never changed. However, because you're not given all the content in order, you might see, for example, this and this happened like right at the start for me. Like I think like the second clip I saw is an interview that the 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 actress Marissa Marcel does with this on this late night talk show with this kind of cheesy talk show host talking about the first film that she's done, which is Ambrosio and how that she, this is how it was her first job, and she, they kind of wanted to cast an unknown, and 20,000 girls auditioned for the role, and she got it, and she's never done any acting before, but talking about the fact that there is nudity in this film, and talking about her new film, and how that's different, and all these different bits and pieces, and so you you watch that, and I say, that was like the second clip I saw, so I kind of, all right, then I'll have a look at that, um, and I zoomed in on her face to see, because obviously I knew she was the main character, and it took me on a kind of a, a rabbit hole of different things. And I ended up finding out loads of clips from that first film, Ambrosio. So then I looked back and I watched that same interview again. As I it hasn't changed at all. However, I now know all about this film that she's talking about. And so the context in which I'm watching it suddenly becomes a lot different. And I understand a lot more. And I've seen scenes where she doesn't feel comfortable and she's doing stuff or there's been arguments or something. And obviously that then suddenly gives you all this backstory and understanding. Now I'm finding it so fascinating because I don't understand where it's going. Really? I know there is a sense of mystery of a recluse and someone's gone missing, but I don't really know why or how that's happened. There is a sense of, I mean, this might, I'd say this could be me just putting it onto it, a sense of almost of supernatural elements. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I get that vibe from looking at like lots of the advertisement kind of pertaining to this. It does feel kind of a, there's a kind of a supernaturally kind of creepy kind of quality to its aesthetic. This is from just looking mm. in terms of how it's marketing, but absolutely entrancing by the looks of it. Yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting that you can just, you can fall down a rabbit hole of just searching at like one actor and like I was playing it last night and there's there's an actress as the one of the supporting actors in one of the films and like it that's I stumbled across a scene which is her she sits sitting in a church uh watching a sermon and the camera just stays on her face and it just watches her reactions and the scene goes for a good five minutes and I watched the entire five minutes just watching how it changes and then right at the end like you hear them call cut and you hear the director kind of say, let's do it again. This time, maybe she'll hold, she'll hold herself together. And that's because during the scene, she started to cry a bit. And so when you're watching, you think, okay, well, that's her direction and stuff. But, but they, when you get to the end, you find out actually, no, she wasn't meant to be crying. So now I'm thinking, well, why is she crying? What is, mm. what's the emotion there? Now I'm digging into this supporting actress and what's the background there. So, so have you got a notepad by the side of your bed? Because the one thing that kind of intimidates me about stuff like that, which I love these kinds of games, it's a bit like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which is a board game, is I have to have somebody, I have to have a notepad to keep a record of where I am so I don't lose the thread of it, particularly when you're talking about all these possible different branching paths. Are you able to 
hold it all in your head or does the game facilitate your ability to keep a record of your observations say for example or where your head is at currently in trying to solve this mystery there's there's not really kind of a, an opportunity to kind of make notes and stuff i don't have a notepad or anything like that. i'm not doing it what it does have is certain filters that enable you to organize the clips because when you watch a clip um it gets dropped onto the basically a massive board right of of say if i'm i'll be up to like 50 or 60 clips by now um which are all just mixed up because of how you found them but there's a button that says okay well if you press this we'll organize it by date great okay, okay so i can do that okay. and they organize by date so they do have some controls around that oh, but like it is that. like imagine yourself sat there with boxes of film and that's kind of how the game is mm. It's just sat there, and you just you're able to just skip between the the few of them, and look at different things. And the kind of the the camera works really good. The kind of the visuals of it are really good. Like the way they have kind of affected the the camera lenses look really good. They look of the time period that they are in. Um, and I say just the the quantity of content. Like I know I'm gonna I will get to the end of this game. I don't know. My, my wife said to me, like, how will we know? How's hmm. the game going to tell us that we're done? I was like, I have no idea. Like, I have no idea because I know there will also be things that I will never see in this game. It's one of those games where you know I'm not going to see everything. Yeah. Because you can click onto anything. Like, I've, I will click on a picture in the background of a painting yeah. and then it will take me to another painting in a different scene and then I'm going to watch that scene. And it will, But it will only drop me in the middle of that scene. So if I want to see the full thing, I have to rewind all the way to the start and all that kind of thing. And you do find yourself watching a scene and then pausing and maybe just scrolling back a few frames because there's a certain look as someone's turned away with a little look in their eye. You're like, oh, that looks suspicious. I'm going to now I'll dig into this person and see what, what's their game. Um, I've never played a game like this. I've not played any of his old stuff um, in terms of like her story and telling lies and that stuff. Yeah. I mean, what I loved about her story was it gives you that wonderful feeling that's really satisfying when you watch like a whodunit mystery or crime drama or a procedural drama where the detective's there and they're going through like film footage of some of a, maybe it's a suspect in the interrogation room or it's documentation of something. And then like they, they pause and go, hang on what and then the camera zooms in and there's that realization that's mm. what kind of her story gives you and you're like oh i feel really clever now because the game is as smart as i hoped it would be yeah i reckon it's not as perhaps the production values aren't as high and it's it's not as kind of it, there's a sense of the being the archivist but it's not kind of like that kind of a mystery but like my one of my top 10 games of all time is Return of the Obra Dim by Lucas Pope mm -hmm. where I've spoken about it on the pod so I don't want to go over it in too much here but it, it gives you that sensation of okay all I know people have died or disappeared on this ship I need to find out who it was and you feel really clever when you're able to kind of see these little frozen images as you walk around the ship going okay well hang on you spoke German there's nobody on the ship's roster who's German but there is somebody from Austria so I reckon mm. it's you and you, there's like like a hundred crew members and you've got to try and find out who's who how they died and if somebody killed them who was it and you you feel so clever going back and forth a bit like immortality for this non-linear arrangement of moments yeah. piecing it together and completing this rostra 
Yeah, like what the the point you made there, like there are absolutely moments in immortality just like that where something has happened, and you say, well, okay, well, in order for me to find out why that happened, I'm going to retrace through the say this person was involved, so I'm going to retrace this person back a scene. Okay, what else have they done? Anything else suspicious? Perhaps they're behind something else. But what's actually quite interesting is the fact of if I. If I didn't read the synopsis for this film, really, uh, for this, I call it a film because it feels like it's it's you feel like you're actually what it feels like they've actually made three films. If you actually go into IMDb, you can find the three films. That's amazing. Like they they are. I mean, ad- admittedly, they're all kind of made in 2022 as opposed to 1968, 1970, and 99. But there's a mythos. They're kind of like engineering here isn't it because that's uh, to to kind of talk about this i looked at um like who the actress is who plays marissa marcel and that's an actress played um man and gage so i thought well what else has she done and i looked on there and like in her credits is ambrosio minsky and two of everything which are the three films i was like that's really cool it's silly but it's really cool that that it's on there um it's just it's i was i've been waiting for so long for this and it's it's a fascinating game to play Really is. Is it is it is it too late to uh, sing the tuna bus? Because I feel like that's oh that's a staple part of if every time we do a two hander. I don't think we've actually ever done a two hander before. Uh, not you and I, Dan. I've done one with Pete before because we just got giddy and started laughing because we thought we were like kids when the teachers off school. No, I was a bit too anxious. You know, I was wondering what it's going to be like to, for you and I, you know, being in a recording, you know, the two alphas of the group. Indeed, indeed. But I think it's it's gone okay, actually. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm on a website that is called Tropical Fish Magazine, and it says goldfish myths debunked. A goldfish won't grow to the size of a bathtub in a day. Well, there's there's like 11 different myths on here. I'm not going to read, read them all. Um, but Myth number two, goldfish only grow to the size of their enclosure. They say there is an element of truth to this, but it is not as innocent as it sounds and is related more to water quality than tank size. So when properly cared for, goldfish will not stop growing. I'm pretty sure they will stop growing. Yeah, they, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like if, you just, if you feed them every day, they will eventually start growing. Yeah. Most fishes are in fact what are known as indeterminate growers. This means that unlike humans, they grow until they die. Blummin' hells, that is critical mass. What really stunts a fish's growth is poor water quality and improper care. In smaller aquariums or bowls, water quality is typically very poor. Ah. So actually it's about the quality of the water not the size of the tank so that lake in france so it it can't be next to a nuclear power plant this must be it must be evian spring water i imagine yeah if anyone else has any fish facts for us (laughs) uh it's a a new feature of the show Uh, hopefully listener dan and i have been sufficient enough for you we apologize for 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 not offering you the the full staying in experience because i know what just the half experience the diet version yeah uh because I know what's going to happen if there's a dip in number of listens, that'll be Pete and Sam's excuse to say, "Look, you two are the weak links." Yeah, they will. You won't two they? are holding us back. Yeah. So hang on. So yeah. So if you could all tell like five people to watch, if we can get a real big spike, Listen, then we could maybe, ask yeah. for more money or just money. Uh, yeah. I mean, tell a friend is generally the best thing, but only tell them if you like it. Don't be mean and say, "Oh yes, this is the worst thing I've ever heard." But yeah, yeah, if you that, like it, yeah, that would be mean. And then don't tell us that. 
Um, thank you for those who have been getting in touch. Um, we had a listener contact us the other day, actually, um, recommending a fantastic, uh, I think it's kind of like a social deduction game, but like on a massive scale. Um, oh, yeah. Called um, Blood on the Clock Tower. It's the game. That's the one. Um, and I had heard of it. And I see it kind of being played at like conventions and things, but um, I've not actually played it yet. Thank you uh, at Teskey um, for pointing us in the direction of that because, yeah, I'm totally going to be up for that because they were saying, well, actually, you can play it online. There are people who play it online together, mm -hmm. which I think I hadn't even thought about. But yeah, of course, that's a great way to play that game. And it's like this gigantic bonkers social deduction game so thanks for getting in touch with that and they got in touch with us via twitter yeah and if, if anyone kind of has any like recommendations and stuff we'd, we'd love to hear them because like we don't hear about all the games so if you have something that's really worked for you and you really enjoy playing please let us know so we can we can hop on that particularly uh, if you play well. it just before bed because that's a sweet yes. spot right now yeah because that as we've discovered that's our that's our sweet gaming time just before falling unconscious. So at Staying in Pod, so that is our handle, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, the Insta, which I think is probably our most popular, most active feed. Yeah. Primarily yeah. thanks to my boy Sam, uh, who's been doing sterling Represent. work there on the gram. Sam actually put included a lovely picture of him and I playing a fantastic game called Lacrimosa, which he'll no doubt talk about in the future from Devir Games, which was this incredible game that is trying to piece together um, unfinished compositions of Mozart, imagining a world in which people try and club together to do that. It's an amazing game. It's not what I expected mm. at all. Like it's the ambition of that and the, the gutsiness of it is just seminal and it is a beautiful package. Um, and what a wonderful and really interesting theme. Well, there, there's, there's a tease for a, for a future episode. Excellent, yeah. I, you, I wouldn't. Sam's probably playing it right now before he goes to bed. I imagine he's got it all yeah. set up on the bed, ready to play. So yes, so we're going to stop rabbiting on for the moment now. But join us in two weeks' time, where we'll have all of us here unwrapping gifts, and it'll be there to celebrate our Christmas together. Really, albeit virtually, and we want you to be a part of that. Yeah. So until then, goodbye. All right then. <laughs>